Hi, this podcast is sponsored by the Bookish Society. We're registering now for summer and the school year of 2021-2022. We've got classes for kids and teens held online both during the day and after school. We even have some on Saturdays. Also new this year is our Family Pass, which allows one family to participate in as many classes as they would like. We've truly got something for everyone. Check us out at thebookishsociety.com. Hi, I'm Jen Naughton, and this is Bookish Society Secrets. In case you stumbled upon us, here's the sitch. We give you the inside dish, spoilers included, about the latest and greatest new books for kids and teens. Because I live by the mantra, so many books, so little time, I'm using this corner of the internet to boost authors and their stories. So, hey, hello, everyone. Today, I'm chatting with Lisa Phipps, the author of Starfish, here in my very dark closet with my foam panels falling down. So it's very picturesque, but at least I have more light than the last time I recorded in here. So, hey, Lisa, how are you? I'm fine. How are you? I am good. Uh, good. Thanks so much for coming on. Well, thanks for inviting me. Do you want to tell us your uh, your elevator pitch or a little bit about your story? Sure. Um, Starfish is a novel, middle grade novel in free verse about a girl named Ellie who is fat and she's bullied relentlessly because she's fat. And so the book is basically her journey from dealing with the internalized fat phobia to learning to address all the emotions that have come from all the pain that that is inflicted upon her by especially the words people say but also how they treat her and how they look at her and um then to where she gets to stand up for herself without putting others down so she defends herself without attacking others and then eventually she realizes she has the right to take up space and to be seen and to be heard. And that is what I call starfishing, which is when you take up your own space in the world and you feel free to be who you are. That's so awesome. I loved the story so much. I should say too, that this story, this book story is already out. So if you want to buy it or borrow it from your library, you don't have to wait. So that's yeah, a good thing. March 9th. Yeah. So I think that, Kids, whether they're fat or not, are going to get a lot out of the story. I, I mean, one of the one of the big, big things I love about middle grade books um, are that they really tackle. It's such a it's such a great time to tackle big subjects and to get kids while they're still listening. And you know what? I think a lot of kids that aren't fat just don't even realize that this is the world, and that like they're making people uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I always tell people is this book is, you know, translatable to anyone who's been bullied for any reason. Yeah. I had someone read it who was, uh, she's, she's, she's about six, three or six, four, which is, you know, tall for a woman. And she instantly, as she was reading starfish, just put herself in there, but all, thought about all the times that people have 
made her feel bad about being tall and all the jokes and the comments and all of that and how she herself now kind of has a hunch because she's tried so hard to make herself small. You know, oh, she yeah. bent over so much that she now kind of has a little bit of a hunch hunch there. And uh, so that's one thing. And the other thing is, it's just if you've never, ever been fat, um, if it's never been an issue for you, you have no idea what it's like to live in a fat body in this world until you read a book like Starfish. And hopefully it allows people to live in Ellie's skin for a while. I always say I like people to live in her skin rather than walk in her shoes because shoes, when they're uncomfortable, you immediately take them off. Yeah. But if you live inside someone's skin, it's not so easy to take it off. And that's what I want. I want people to understand what it's like. And and one of the reasons Nancy Polson, my editor, wanted this to be middle grade rather than YA, which is what I'd originally written it as was because she said, you can maybe reach the people who are bullies while they're bullying and get them to stop or at least rethink what they're doing and why. Yeah. And that to me was exactly what I would love to do. I, I don't want to just help the people who are fat. I want to help the people who bully people to realize just what they're doing to others and whether they're bullying them because they're tall, they're fat or for any other reason. Yeah. And I feel like in this, you know, new digital world that we live in, that it's really like bullies have 24 seven access. It used to be like you could get home from school and at least then you were done. Right. Right. You know, I mean, unless you ran into somebody at like, you know, the park or, you know, something like that. But like, if you were actually in your house, you were okay. And now with social media, that's not the case. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's one of the problems with social media is that kids are reachable wherever they are. They can be at home. They can be, you know, on vacation (laughs) and people can still bully them no matter how far away they are from the school or from the playground or wherever. And um, it gives people a bigger reach to, to be mean. Yeah. And I would, you know, I would hope that, you know, I don't know, we'll start a revolution of kindness and maybe, you know, it would be nicer if it was everyone being nice because a lot of kids have an awful home life too, right? Because their parents can be a bully, right? So you go from school with a certain kind of bully to a home. And then if you never get a break, I mean, gosh, I, I just like my heart breaks for kids because... that's, that would be a lot for anyone to deal with, much less, you know, an 11 year old. Right. And, and that's, what's interesting is that kids have, you know, kids are dealing with this, but what's interesting to me is that people will make comments on my social media pages or send me an email through my website and tell me they like the book, but then on a private level, they'll send me like a direct message, you know, a private message. And then they'll say, thank you for writing this because I'm 45, I'm 75. And this happened to me when I was a kid and I'm still hurting because of it. And your book kind of helped me heal a little bit. And it's very interesting. I think that I've had teenagers 
20 year olds, 30, 40s, 50s, 60s, and 70 year olds all say the same thing that they're still hurting and they are still remembering all the things that were said and done to them by people at school, by people at home, relatives, strangers, doctors. And it, it just breaks my heart when I hear their stories. And I always, the first thing I tell them is, you know, I hope you remember you didn't deserve that. And, um, but it just, I don't think that people truly realize how much kids internalize what you say and it sticks with them for life. Oh, yes. Unless they go through healing through a therapist or something, it's going to be there until they die. And that's, that just, yeah, that's just right there in your heart. You know, you think about that, that someone in their seventies is still remembering what happened when they were 10 and it just, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. And you think, I mean, back then, like not a lot of people went to therapy. So you figure there's a lot of older people that are just carrying around like every single thing anyone's ever said for, you know, since Mm -hmm. they can remember probably. Yes. Um, And that's, gosh, that's so hard. I wish, I don't know. Like I was, I was going to sidetrack a little bit when you said doctor, because that is a whole, that is a whole other thing. I mean, I was in your story, Ellie's dad is a psychiatrist, right? Mm -hmm. And then he sets her up with a therapist who was Mm -hmm. awesome. Um, I wish every kid could have a therapist like that. She's really like the, the therapist, Mm -hmm. you know, dream. Um, but the, you know, the fact of the matter is I think you can get a bad therapist, you can have a bad Mm -hmm. primary care doctor. Mm -hmm. And so then that's like another area where kids like, let's say, you know, the kid is self-aware enough that they're, you know, they're going to reach out for, you know, for help. And they're going to say, oh, well, maybe I should see a nutritionalist. Well, if you go to the doctor and they're not helpful, it's just another, it seems like it's so, so hard. Like every avenue is blocked. You know, it's like you can't buy clothes at, well, I guess now you, it's Target's getting better now, but for mm-hmm. a long time, you couldn't really, like, I couldn't buy my son clothes at mm-hmm. Target at all. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it just seems like every single aspect of your life is harder. And it's because of a social construct. It's not, it doesn't have to be like this. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. And, you know, it's interesting because, you know, I'm an adult and I know how to fight for myself now. When I, when I get a new doctor, I try to, my doc, I had a really good general practitioner. It took me years to find him. Uh, but then he, and I had him for years and then he retired and I'm like, oh dear God. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's the worst. And so, so I was on the journey to find someone and I found one who was, you know, decent enough, but it was just like, I knew more about some of my conditions than he did. And that kind of made me nervous, Yeah, but he wasn't mean to me. So that was like, well, yeah, well, that's a plus, right? And that's- <laughs> I'll leave you as my doctor of record for now. Yeah. Um, but then I went to another one and he's, he was looking over my charts, you know, from the different years. And he was just like, you mean you were even bigger? <laughs> Dang. Wow. 
And I was like, nice bedside manner. <laughs> I know. And uh, normally I would have like totally just walked out right then and just because I'm a grown up now and I don't tolerate yeah. that. But I'd had a very emotional morning about something completely unrelated. And I was just not in the headspace to fight. I just, I was just not. But as soon as I got in the parking lot, I started Googling doctors because I was yeah. like, I'm not going back to you. Yeah. Yeah, that's back. too much. That's the thing. So when people think that, you know, maybe this story or others like them are over the top, they're not. If you think, if you can read Starfish and think, oh, this is almost cartoonish, nothing like this would ever happen, then you're a very blessed person because you don't understand the hatred that people have for fat people. The disgust, the hatred, the, um, there's so many things, you know. Because there's like, you know, I can go into like my eye doctor's office and be in the waiting room and have a person just sit and stare at my stomach the entire time I'm sitting there. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And I just want to actually, the last time that happened, (laughs) it was this older lady, very thin. And I just looked at her because she looked me up and down and then she just stared at my stomach. So I waited till I I stared at her so intensely that she had to notice I was staring at her. And then I looked her up and down from head to toe. And then I just stared at her because I thought, I want you to feel what that feels like. I guess we're staring at each other. Yeah. I want you to feel what it feels like when people are just staring at you intensely. Yeah. With like this look of disgust. And so finally she stopped. And I know she thought she was better than me, like... You know, I'm thin and, but yet, you know, she had some major health issues and I'm not like saying, ha ha. I'm just saying you can be skinny and have health issues and you can be fat and have health issues and you can be skinny and not have health issues and you can be fat and not, you know, it's like, uh, it's just, it's just frustrating. Yeah. Turns out we're all individuals. Imagine. I, I know. Imagine that. All right. So this, I don't know, this sounds silly now. This is my standard, uh, one of my standard standard questions. Uh, 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 I should have uh, <laughs> learned to talk today. Uh, <laughs> what kind of research did you do? <laughs> You're like, well, there was my whole life. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, you know, there was that. But what, one thing I did do was... I I used to be a journalist years ago. So I did a lot of research just to make sure that I was on target, that it wasn't just, hey, this is what happened to me. And it was an anomaly, you know? Yeah, yeah. And all it did, my research did was like confirm that, nope, that's pretty much exactly what it's like to be fat. Yeah. And then I also went on Facebook with um, my friends and I was like, you know, if you've ever struggled with your weight, would you mind, you know, I'm not asking you to do this on, on Facebook, just message me or email me. So it's private and I won't share it with anybody. I just wanted to see if I was on track, you know, and, 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 oh my gosh, yes, I was on track. People were like, you know how people will always play around with your name. So my name is Lisa. And I remember one kid going, Lisa, Lisa, round as a pizza. You know what I mean? Trying to, yeah, you know, different kids things love like to that. rhyme everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, um, Someone said that, uh, because she grew up in a farming area, 
And there was like these signs, you know, like um, cow signs and stuff in case they ever got loose or whatever. Oh, right. And um, someone stole one and put it outside her tent one day when she was at this camp. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like she oh. was the cow. And and I was like, yep, okay. I could, you know, I mean, I once I heard all those stories, I was like, yep. But then I also did a little bit more research in that. Um, I wanted, and it sounds, it sounds torturous, but I wanted to, I knew I had to, dive deep into my emotional well to get the emotional part, her, or uh, Ellie's emotional arc. Yeah. And so I went back to the school where I'd got this, I'd gone there from, I went there from K through 12. And, um, and I waited till everyone was gone because I'd been a journalist long enough to know that sometimes weirdos hang out around the school. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I was like, I'm not going to go there. So I waited until the schools were abandoned. Like it was like a Sunday afternoon or something. And, and, but I didn't even go near the building either. Cause I didn't want people to think I was trying to break in. I'm super paranoid about stuff like that from writing so many stories. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> but I sat in the parking lot and I just would, <clears throat> sorry. I would just look <laughs> at these rooms and I would be like, I remember this happening in this room and this happening in this room and, because, you know, the, the windows, they hadn't remodeled or anything. And uh, I did that to, to all the schools. And then I went to some places um, where I, like the place where I used to live, the place where I grew up. And I did the same kind of stuff. And, and when I couldn't go to a location, I would look at pictures or go to Google and call up, you know, Google Earth and, and look at it. Just to try to get that really fresh in my mind and fresh so that when I... That was um, hard. It was. It was. It was. I mean, it then was. you're like reliving it and, right. you know, that's yeah. going to that's gonna affect your whole day. Yeah. Yeah. And it was hard, but it was like, um, it was part cathartic and it was part hard, but I thought, you know what? I have to, this is the, I have to be authentic. This, you know, first of all, when you're writing for children, they can smell phoniness a billion miles away. I always tell people that. Yeah. But also I just, I wanted the the kids who have been, who have been or are fat to know that I know what they're going through, that I'm not, I wanted it to ring true. And for the people who have never been fat and aren't fat, I want them to have a true glimpse of what it's like. And so if I was going to do it, I was going to go 110% all in. And even if it hurt. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's sort of the The writing gig, you know, when you're, when you're writing anything, that's not, you know, your, your fantasy made up world with dragons and and magic. (laughs) So you can, you know, magic your way out of everything. It can, uh, it's hard. I mean, So kids don't like, they don't like issue books if they feel like, like this is a book written to teach you a lesson. Right. Like they, it's another thing that they can, they can tell right off. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I really liked about Starfish was that it's really not like that. I mean, Mm -hmm. it, in the end, they definitely get a sense of what Ellie's life you know, is like on a day to day and, you know, she has trouble at home and she has trouble at school 
And, but at the same time, it's so realistic that it's not preachy. I just, I, I think you just did an excellent job. Well, thank you. I have like nothing but praise. Well, thank you. I always say I was trying not to make it a after school special. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think, (laughs) I think only generation X likes uh, after school specials. Because when I was little and they would have those, I'd be like, oh yeah. my God. It'd be like it on Don't Smoke, you know, was one yeah. of them. And I'd be like, really? I, now, see, I, I don't know. I'm 51. So uh-huh. when I was little, we were watching like Little House on the Prairie. And I remember like, okay, so I had read the books. I mean, of course. And so all that stuff that they threw in there about like smoking and drug use and like it was basically like another after school special, but like mixed in with Laura, (laughs) I was like, and what's so ironic now is that what they could have done was talked about like racism. (laughs) That would have been like, that would have been okay. (laughs) They did do that some though when they tried, you know, when uh, the Ingalls family befriended the indigenous oh that's true yeah I think there there was probably a couple episodes of that but but yeah I mean yeah the whole after school special thing that's what I say uh law and order is adult after school special oh my god yeah right (laughs) because you're like oh this terrible thing is happening because it's always the first scene of whatever the crime is and then you know especially the original law and order which isn't really on but Right. And it, they're so they're literally ripped from the headlines. Yes. They, I mean, they are literally exactly <laughs> like the, the astronaut woman who, you know, drove from Texas to Florida. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, OK, we know where that came from. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, you know, boy, we're uh, we're spreading out. I, I told you I'm going to go off book a little. I'm like, oh, yes, let's talk about law and order, my my love of uh, crime. <laughs> so why verse and not prose? You know, that's weird question. It's not a weird question. It's weird because everybody asks me that. And I had to really stop and think about it because <clears throat> so my writing process is that I get like these little video clips in my head. OK. Um, when a story starts coming to me and um Nancy Paulson, my editor, told me that uh, Linda Mullally Hunt, Mullally Hunt, is the same way. And I've since learned that other people did it, which makes me feel good because I thought I was like the only one who did it this way. And it made me kind of nervous. But I get these little video clips in my head. And so, like, I get, for example, one of the ones I got for Starfish was Ellie when she starfished in the pool. And so it's like, it's just like this little brief 30 second, one minute video clip that just pops in my head. And I, and so I watch it just like you would, you know, TV to my head, but I would watch it like you would on TV or on the internet. And I'm curious about it. I'm like, you know, I notice that she's got a smile on her face. I notice how tentative she is when she first tries to stretch out like that or whatever. And then I, and then I try to figure out what's happening and why that's important and, or um, where it's going to fit and how it helps tell the story. And uh, so if you can imagine that, and then when I sit down to write, verse is much more like a video clip, right? It's yeah. like a highlight yeah. reel, right? And, um, and but I kept thinking, I got to write in prose because 
at the time when I first started thinking about this, I was like, you can't write a book like that. <laughs> you know, you can't yeah. do that. That's not normal. And so I was at uh, a bookstore where my critique group met every week. And I always bought books while I was waiting on everybody to get there. And because uh, I just always came straight from work. So I was, it was early. And I picked up this book and it, it it's was Sonia Sohn's book, Stop Pretending What Happened When My Big Sister Went Crazy. And I thought, oh, this sounds really good. Title alone. Yeah. And I open it up and I read the first page because if I like the book, the first page, I'll, I'll buy a book. And I open it up and it's poetry. It's verse. And I'm like, you can do this. I, I can do this. <laughs> That's a thing. Yeah. I don't have to force myself to write it in prose. I can write in verse. And I was so excited. So I bought that book. And then I, I literally researched and bought every middle grade and every YA book in verse that, I, that existed at the time. Oh, wow. I read them all. I read them all. And I was like, yes, 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 I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. Helen Frost. I mean, everybody, you know. And um, so then I just, what, but what I like about it is that it allows me to get to the heart of the story in a, sh- in a short amount of time using very few words. I don't, I think part of it is not only the video clip stuff that naturally happens with me. But being a journalist for years, I had to write quickly, you know, cut to the chase, give the highlights, you know, yeah. and that's sort of what I do as a writer is, you know, some people will, and some books like this I like and some books I don't, but like they'll start talking about in the castle, there was brown wood this and there was flowered wallpaper, that, you know, and I'm like, okay, yeah, Pick up, Let's you know, move it along. Move it along. <laughs> yeah. Move it yeah. along. I mean, there are some books that are written that way that are just gorgeous. Right. But it's one of those things where it takes you a longer time to connect to the character, I think, or at least it does for me. And it takes you longer to get to the meat of the story. And so uh, the heart of the story. So that's why. Yeah, that's a great answer. Mm-hmm. Now, I am like really new to novels and verse. I only started reading them this year when, you know, there's been a few middle grade. I don't I don't mean to put you on the spot, but like what I haven't even seen a YA in verse. Oh, yeah. Like um Sonia Sones is is one of the ones um cuz I ended up reading all that she wrote. And she became a mentor to me, but she has Stop Pretending What Happened When My Big Sister Went Crazy is YA. Okay. And then What My Mother Doesn't Know, which was her second book. Okay. Um, which is really really good. And then uh, th- those are like off the top of my head two of them and that all of the ones that she's written have been YA and then Joy McCullough writes YA Blood Blood Fire and I always get it confused as to which which word goes first. I'm quickly googling quite yeah. But um Blood Water Paint is oh, another okay. Yeah. But and then you know in middle grade there was like Karen Hess Out of the Dust which is gorgeous. 
and uh, Inside Out and Back Again. And I, I will not try to say her name. I know. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't know. I can't help you with that one. Yeah. I, I hate, I hate doing that. I hate butchering people's names. I know and, I do too. And I, but I usually have to wait and ask them. <laughs> exactly. I don't want to get it wrong, but inside out and back again, which is yeah. beautiful. And I think red butterfly is another one from middle grade that I really loved. And, uh, but I just read them all and I still have a passion for that. Yeah. I yeah, just, but, um, I just read butterfly. unsettled. Did you read that by, um, Reem Faruqi. Oh, that is so on my, good. That is on my to read list. Yeah, you'll like uh, it. You'll like it. It's really we've good. We connected through social media, and we're we're going to be trying to do an event together, her and me, and and another writer. And um, oh yeah, but I saw like the beginning, and I'm like, oh, I really want to read this right now, but I I just can't. I know and my, my time is limited, but uh, yeah, it's, I ordered it. So yeah, yeah, it's really really good. Mm-hmm. um let's see so alone is another one by megan oh um, my gosh yes i talked to her i talked to her for the podcast i can't remember if it's up yet i think it's up i think it's already out if I'm not it will be her last, her last name has just left my brain freeman right freeman yeah freeman. yes yeah oh my gosh i loved that book so mm-hmm. much because i love a good dystopia mm-hmm. and that was like unbelievably so weird and I love that like you never really get that question answered as to like why everyone was gone Mm -hmm. I mean I you know I told her I said I think that's great because it's like it just leaves you still debating yeah uh, yeah which is kind of cool um let's see what else what spoiler do you want to give and then I'll uh I'll tell you a couple other books I've read okay one spoiler is that, you know, there's that sweet feeling of, of justice that you can get sometimes when people have said or done bad things and they get a little bit of karma comeuppance. That is definitely in this book. And the key word there is sweet. There's a little <laughs> bit of sweet, sweet yes. karma that happens with sweet two of the people karma. who are her biggest bullies at school anyway. Yeah. Yeah. That Mm -hmm. was awesome. Um, Okay. So this one has been out for a while. The great, or I think it's just, it is the great cookie war. Mm -hmm. And this is a middle grade book that I haven't really heard anybody talking about. And it was so cute. It's like definitely a lower middle grade book. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, it's, it's small. Um, Mm -hmm. And it is about a girl who lives in a traditional Mennonite community And they have a cookie recipe in their family. And so some executives show up from New York and they want to buy the cookie recipe. (laughs) And so, you know, hilarity ensues after that. So it's by Caroline Stellings. And it was like just us. I was just surprised. I hadn't really heard anything about it. And I accidentally found it. And um, I thought it was just really cute, especially for like the younger and of middle grade. Um, now I'm curious because I'm, there's a pretty big Mennonite and Amish community near me. And I'm always fascinated because they make the best food ever. Right. I know. And they tend to share their recipes though, but every now and again, they'll have one, like someone is like, 
not going to share. I know. So here's, here's a fun fact from my homeschooling world. The Mennonites mm-hmm. all do like one room schoolhouses and mm-hmm. they make like really, really good textbooks. Like oh. really good. Like if you want to learn grammar, man, they have got it because those kids get out of school forever when they're like 16. So they cram it all in. It's yeah, the Amish the, around here, they quit eighth grade. Okay. After eighth grade, around here, the Amish do. The Mennonites yeah. are a little older, I think. The Mennonites all go up to like 10th grade, at least all their yes. textbooks. So yeah. it's like, you know, whatever that is, like around 16, I guess. Right. But, and so there's a, a publisher that publishes for them and they still don't have a website. You have to call, you have to call on the phone and you can order, Fascinating. you can call their their house, I guess, and, and order their books. But, uh, we found them super fun and there's like tons and tons of like farming, uh, you know, things that like are completely in their culture, but to Mm -hmm. us were super interesting. Well, yeah, because they know such practical skills, you know, planting and and cooking and sewing and carpentry and mechanics and, Seriously, I look at them sometimes and I'm like, I think we all need to take a lesson from you. I know. It's true. I know. I agree. Because I if I had to cook from from scratch, I would I would not I would not survive. Oh my gosh. So when the you know when the pandemic started in March 2020, yeah. uh I went out like everyone else in suburbia and I was like, okay, well, we should buy another bag of flour. And, you know, it's like I was like getting cornmeal. I'm all like, okay, well, we can live on carbs, kids. You know, (laughs) I don't it was like at the very beginning. And I'm like, I don't know how things are going to go. And of course, you know, a year later, I'm all like, so what can we make with cornmeal? (laughs) (laughs) I know, right. I am like, you know, well, you know, cornbread, corn muffins. (laughs) But yeah, really. Mush. Yeah. I haven't had that. No, but. I'd probably like it since I like everything else made of corn. So my mom used to make that. See, she All was right. Southern. It's sort of like cornmeal and something else. Like, don't ask me. I know. Now I'm going to have to Google it. I know. And you put it like, she used to put it in like a nine by 13 pan and you set it overnight and then you cut it in squares and you fry it and put syrup on it. Sort of like pancakes. Oh, that sounds really good. Yeah. Oh yeah. I would eat that. Mm-hmm. I would eat that. All right. Well, now I have to look that up. Um, <laughs> have you read Too Bright to See? Sorry, I've got a lot of glare by Kyle Lukoff. No, but I'm it's getting so ready good. because we're going to be on a panel together. And so okay. what I try to do right now, since I have a limited time, is I read I read the books that other panelists I'm going to be with have read. Yeah. So I'm going to have an intelligent discussion. <laughs> I know. All right. Um, <laughs> So he's, I just bought that today. Yeah. It's really good. Yeah. I heard it was, it's, really, um, really it has, good. if I'm not mistaken, doesn't it have, um, mental health issues in it? Is that the one or did, is that the other book I read? I bought today. No, I this is, today. this yeah. is about a kid named bug who is transgender and like figuring oh, okay. that out. Okay. So it's really good though. I mean, because it's another one that, you know, I think is so important for middle grade kids to, you know, to read about kids that maybe are having a different experience than them. Right. And this has 
the bonus of also having a little bit of, it's a little bit of a ghost story too. That's what I'd heard. So I'm not so confused with the other book I bought today. There's another book I bought today that is about therapy that the cover reminded me of that though. But yes, oh, okay. I, um, but yeah, I've heard a lot about that book. Yeah. And I yeah. loved that because why can't we, you know, mix in, you know, science fiction or fantasy with, you know, something that you learn from, right? Oh yeah. It you makes know? sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does make sense. And then the last one I just got in the mail, so I haven't read it, but I read the back uh, by Barbara D. It's called Violets Are Blue. And this is a book about addiction. So I guess it is a seventh grader whose mom has an addiction problem. Um, And I love all the Barbara D. books because um, she read, she wrote, uh, Maybe He Just Likes You, which is that's why her name sounds familiar yeah yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. and that's a book that is you know also for kids to read themselves you know so Mm -hmm. in that book these boys were sexually harassing a a classmate and they didn't even realize that that's how she felt like they didn't even Mm -hmm. know they were doing it like it was like a whole different kind of bullying but uh so now i will read anything that barbara d writes so i'm very excited Um, so yeah, that is my, that is my stack of the week. Uh, I think that's it unless you want to, oh, I know what I was going to ask you. So do you have any other books on the horizon that we should be looking for? I am on deadline for book number two. So awesome. I'm currently writing it. (laughs) And publicizing. So you are, are you stressed or are you just having fun with it all? You know, it's weird because, <laughs> it's really weird because um, the last 10 years, I, I transitioned from journalism to marketing. And so to make that happen, I had to work six part-time jobs for three years. And then my mom developed Alzheimer's and well, first she was in, an, she first she had a, kind of a cancer thing. Uh, and then she had, um, she was almost died in a wreck and then she had Alzheimer's. So for the last 10 years, I've been working full-time being a full-time caregiver. Like literally when I come home, care for my mom and she just died last, last week. Um, Oh my God. I'm so sorry. Uh, no, well with Alzheimer's, you know, it was coming. You just didn't know what day, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 But, and so when I had to move her to a nursing home last July, because she was in the part of late stage that was getting too hard for me to take care of her, like I screwed up my shoulder, lifting her and she was ready to have to have pureed food and stuff like that. Yeah. And, um, and so I felt like I had all this time. <laughs> yeah. It was like I had been a caregiver for 16 hours of the day. And I was like, well, what am I going to do now? You know? And so I'm that type of person when there's a hole, I fill it. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't feel stressed. I feel more stressed when I don't have anything to do. Okay. Yeah. So we're similar that way. Yeah. Yeah. That's I don't like I mean. being bored. I know. Yeah. Me neither. But every now and again, <laughs> I dream of boredom. <laughs> I a boredom on a beach. 
much. Yeah. With a book though. (laughs) So then are you really bored? You're really not bored, but it is nice to have days where you can just sit around reading and you're not thinking that I really should be doing these 20 other things. Like it's okay to just take the day. Yeah. That part's okay. And a beach is nice. Mm, Yeah. I I like warm weather. I'm not a cold weather girl. Okay. So you're going to come visit Chicago. Well, (laughs) unless you come in the summer. Uh, oh, that's Indiana. right. You are in Indiana. Yeah. We're neighbors. I'm, yeah, I'm I'm just uh, about 40 minutes north of Indianapolis, but I moved to Texas and I love the weather down there, even though it was hot I, yeah. in the summer. I love the weather. But then when my mom started having health issues, uh, I tried to get her to move down there, but she wouldn't because her grandchildren were still in Indiana. So oh. I had to move back because I was like her healthcare representative and all that stuff. Right, right. And so... I think I definitely will move one day. You Hopefully, sound a yeah. little Texan. You've got a little oh. twang. Yeah, a little bit. That's why I forgot you were in Indiana. <laughs> I do say y'all. Yeah. It's, it's easy to say. Um, Sticks with you. Yeah, it stuck, stuck with me. Uh, but I know I'm going to leave Indiana one day. <laughs> Hopefully sooner than later. Hopefully more. <laughs> Hopefully before it gets another blizzard. <laughs> That's how I feel about Illinois, but I know it's going to be yeah. a little, it's going to be a little longer. Yeah. <sighs> sigh, heavy sigh. <laughs> I almost had to go to Indiana to get my COVID vaccination. Oh yeah. Well, because, like or Gary or somewhere? Well, yeah. In Gary, they were having that big FEMA federal site where you could just like drive up mm-hmm. and you could get like appointments But then, uh, so I was about ready to plan one Saturday going there, but then finally they opened it all up here because it was all just, it was all just old people like forever here. Well, a lot of people though did come from Illinois to the Geary. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess you were allowed because it said it was a federal state. So they didn't really mind. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. As long as people get it, it doesn't matter in my opinion. I know. Well, and that's why I thought, well, it's only like an hour and a half. So I was like, oh, yeah. we could just, you know, go there, get some lunch, come back. But, yeah. But, you know, then then CVS opened up appointments and that's, you know, five minutes away. So I was like, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Road trip averted. Yeah. Rather than taking up all that time. Yeah. So, hey, uh, thank you so much for taking the time. Oh yeah, for, it was uh, fun. Coming on, I enjoyed and talking with you. I'll, I'll hit you up later in the year when uh, when my bookish kids start reading your book, and uh, I know they're going to have questions, and they're very excited that you know I have access. You know, oh cool. I'm that's like funny. a celebrity now. Oh, I talk funny. to authors. Um, <laughs> yeah, they will ask if there's going to be a sequel, and I'm going to say that we don't know yet. That maybe right? Yeah. Is that the correct answer? Sure. We never know. You never know. Okay. That seems fair. All right. Then that is it for us this week. Thank you so much. It was so nice meeting you. You as well. Thank you for listening. Please like and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to learn more about our roundtable groups, you can point your browser to thebookishsociety.com. And we're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next week.